I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Welcome to All In Sports. It is Jake Steely, as always. Follow me, as always, at All In Kid, which you're probably doing, but just in case you're not, maybe you came from our terrific guest today and you need to follow me. And also, head over to iTunes, give this five stars, subscribe, a nice review, and take the screenshot when you do. I am going to have a new contest at this point, maybe the end of the month, maybe for November. It's going to be before Christmas, and you can use it maybe as a Christmas present, but going to have another one. So if you missed the last contest for Le'Veon Bell signed jersey, or you know what? Hey, you didn't win. Make sure you save that screenshot. You still have it. We're going to be tweeting those out again. A heads up for today's show, by the way, a little technical difficulties because technology is so enjoyable sometimes at the beginning. So Matt Harmon is my guest today, which I'm super excited to have. But we kind of got partly into the conversation and found out the recording wasn't working. So we're going to jump into the middle of his conversation. The question I had for him was, what do we do with James Conner? Because we had the Le'Veon Bell didn't show up situation. We kind of expected that was going to come because it was just a rumor at this point. But he didn't show up. So it's more about we know if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner that if you're losing, you need to win now, you got to make a trade. We know that if you're winning at the top of the league, you can go make a trade for him and be patient enough to wait. The biggest question is what to do with James Conner because every single moment that passes, we're more and more worried that Le'Veon Bell does show up and then your lottery ticket burns up in your hand. So that's where the question was going. That's where Matt Harmon is going to all of a sudden just jump in as soon as I start talking right now. By the way, follow Matt Harmon. Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I think I mentioned that at the beginning when I make him redo his whole shtick anyway, but that's what we're doing today. Again, it's all in sports. Here is Matt Harmon in mid-sentence. More games. I think that's the smart play here, especially with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's offense being as good as it is. And the fact that defensive additions uh, due to health like Mike Hilton, Joe Hayden are improving the stop unit, and they've been able to actually – stay in games and actually feed their very talented running back the ball here early and often in, in the last several games, I, I think I'm willing to just stick it out with Connor as long as it lasts. And I'm certainly not trading for Le'Veon Bell. No, almost no matter what my record is simply because I, again, we don't know when he's going to show up. I, I don't think it's wise to assume that it's any certain date. And number three, because honestly, like once he gets back, I don't really just expect them to just hand that, you know, 95% work share of the backfield to him like they have in years past. Yeah. So for everybody, so, well, two things, because I'm about to tell Matt something, he's going to probably punch me to the face through the internet. If so, just everybody understands what's about to happen here. Is, oh uh, yeah. So I specifically use Zoom because Skype has been a piece of junk. Uh, as Matt was talking, the recording was not going all of a sudden and I started the recording halfway through we were talking about Le'Veon Bell and James Conner which means why Matt's about to punch me is we have to backtrack and okay. 
reintroduce Matt. <laughs> so, oh, the wonders of technology, everybody. Uh, and if you could hear, I heard, I heard the disdain in your voice, by the way. <laughs> I heard the, the okay, uh, you do uh, want to punch me in the face. No, I, 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 completely, I completely understand. So, for everybody out there, I don't know how I'm going to piece this together, but you'll, ever, you'll have seen how I pieced it together at this point of the show. Um, again, this is Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports. This is the terrific and wonderful, and I'm going to kiss his ass for the rest of my life for this happening, Matt Harmon. Uh, <laughs> the creator of Reception Perception. Follow him at Matt Harmon underscore BYB for Backyard Banter, if anybody ever remembers that. Uh, do, you want to, do you want to do the, hey, look, at least at this point, Matt, when you do your part right here of where to find you, they don't know about that whole time thing that we just kind of screwed up while nobody heard it. Yeah, actually, very good point there. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I, I take control of the at Yahoo fantasy handle every now and again to just really let the freak flag fly and uh, have some fun with users there uh, talking about fantasy football and, and whatever else comes of it. Um, I'm also doing a halftime show this year that I would encourage everybody to watch. You can watch it on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitch even. Um, the easiest place, obviously, for probably most of the fantasy audience is to find it on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy, and it streams at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time, the two halftime showings there on every Sunday. Uh, so really, definitely, please check that out. And what a smooth listing of the timings that was. I mean, I am a total professional. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you didn't practice it at all can you you know and also people missed the wonderful transition i had like it was just, we lost that because of the times now they're good now i can't say speaking of showing up whenever you feel like it ah there you go there was the transition everybody got to miss so that was levy on bell that's out the window forget all that we're, we're going to talk about good stuff now so I don't know, like, it, well, people, I should say, do know if they've read your reception perception, if they have read your stuff, know how you, for, for the people that don't know how you feel about Mike Williams, it'd be very interesting to talk about him because one of the things I said this offseason was people have quickly forgot that there was people, not being you, but people in general making arguments that, hey, he might be the better wide receiver than Corey Davis in the draft class, and then he essentially misses the entire year to a back injury, and people forgot about him altogether. Like, oh, yeah, Mike Williams, he's kind of good, I guess. And we saw that at the beginning of the season. There obviously was the concern the entire time with the Chargers that, hey, they have 15 wide receivers. Who knows what kind of consistency there will be. But he started off hot, and now he's really started to quiet down. It was the Tyrell Gazelle week, as we all know. But Tyrell Williams kind of does this every single year. It's not so much even that, though. I'm looking at the snap count. And the interesting thing from that game was Tyrell led the way by almost 20 snaps. It was Mike Williams and Keenan Allen that almost were even in the 30s. Do we have hope that Mike Williams comes back? Or is, this, is he now droppable if you need a waiver move? I mean, this is actually a lot of what I expected with Mike Williams this year, which was volatility. And this is why when he started to creep up into like the ninth round range, you know, by the time drafts got around um, due to a great preseason, due to a lot of training camp buzz, that was why I was really kind of off of him at that point. Um, like, don't get me wrong, as a best ball pick, I thought he was really good in the double digit rounds because he does have these high, high ceilings. And over the first three weeks, you know, he cleared 80 yards and or scored a touchdown in every single game. But over right. the last three, he's had one, three and one catches. <laughs> so that's really not what you're looking for. And I expect this to continue uh, to be a roller coaster ride with Mike Williams. I do think we will see ceiling games from him again. But 
as you mentioned, Tyrell Williams is not going to go away. Um, I thought the idea that, you know, Mike Williams would just take over the red zone role and become almost like a pseudo tight end really didn't make any sense considering that he's almost strictly a perimeter receiver. So I, again, I, I don't know what you, I don't know why people were really hoping for more from Mike Williams uh, because just because of the structure of the offense. And I think another issue that you don't have to like throw shade at me on my own show. Oh no no, Jake! I'm not <laughs> speaking of you. Um, I mean, I, could I was I was, I was very high on Mike Williams. I thought he would. I thought by talent and look. Okay, this isn't coming back at me. I'm not throwing shots. I'm just saying, like similar to your hope with Tyler Lockett from a few years ago. Like that was my Mike Williams. Oh, and yeah. I'm not saying. I'm just saying sometimes we see scenarios, we see talent, we play things out and not create a narrative, but we create a situation and we see a situation that should develop from what we are analyzing. And I'm not saying you were ever wrong because we're finally seeing that with Tyler Lockett. Uh, obviously, so far this year, I've been more wrong than right when it comes to Mike Williams, to your point. I've just, I've thrown a good comparison out there. But Jake, you're not wrong about his ability because I think he's good at what he does. I think he's a good football player. Like, I think he has, I liked him as a prospect coming out of school. He was definitely a top four receiver for me in that draft class with Corey Davis, Chris Godwin, and John Ross. Um, I mean, you could certainly say that Mike Williams is having a better season than John Ross, although that's not much to measure by. But <laughs> I, so it, much like you, that's a great comparison, actually, because I let the talent of Tyler Lockett back in 2016 cloud my judgment. But I wasn't wrong about the talent evaluation, and you're not wrong about the talent evaluation with Mike Williams. The problem is just that the usage is not there, just like it wasn't really there for Tyler Lockett back in 2016. So it's good to file away that note because in future seasons, we're going to be talking about Mike Williams. And if injury chaos hits, as we know that it does in the NFL, I think Mike Williams has the ability to step up. And if he's going to get six, seven targets in a game, then you like him as a player that you're going to throw out there in fantasy this year. The problem is he's been, you know, three, four, and four targets over the last three games. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that just, you know, the two engines of this passing game right now are still Keenan Allen getting volume through the air. And Melvin Gordon and yeah. Austin Eckler both are – you know, carve out a significant chunk of the passing game volume. So I don't think you were wrong with the talent evaluation at all, Jake. I think you're just – there's just not a lot of room uh, in terms of air yards, in terms of volumes and snaps in this offense right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about one of the names that you mentioned and somebody else that is funny because, you know, there's a lot of times where things happen and people write things and we're both – and I say both as in me and somebody else or you and somebody else. There's people that are on the same page, but somebody does it better than the other person. And, you know, I have short blurbs on my players when they come into the – I mean, everybody knows this. I do rookies. You go way more in-depth, and to your credit, you always go way more in-depth. That's why reception perception is so great. One of those players, you was Allen Robinson, and you became the Allen Robinson guy. And then the one following that up is Chris Godwin. And guess what? From the same school. What a surprise. Another underrated. I don't know. You Are you three years in a row like I am? Are you on Deshaun Hamilton, too, or no? 100%, dude. I love Deshaun Hamilton. <laughs> See? This is Penn State wide receiver. Stop overlooking him. But in yeah. any case, I know you also like Godwin. Here's my concern. I actually wrote him up in the waiver column this week because he's still sitting out there in way under 60% of leagues. Or Well, he's out there in more than 60%. He's owned in way less than 60%. But the one thing I saw from this past game was Adam Humphreys is Adam Humphreys. He is the slot receiver. So if you have a slot situation, if you have a certain formation, if you have whatever, the one that Godwin sharing with and losing snaps to is Mike Evans. And if you look at the snap count, 57 for Evans. Humphreys 51, Godwin had 37, 
battling and almost sharing with Deshaun Jackson at 34. So I love Godwin. I want him to overtake Deshaun Jackson completely. But I think, does this not have to be a long-term concern for us, at least for this year? I think that it's certainly a concern. And one thing that I noticed in this Buccaneers game with Jameis Winston in his first game back was that, uh, you know, this passing game was mostly concentrated between the high-end players uh, in Ryan Fitzpatrick's magical run over the first three weeks, but it was much more spread out. A ton of guys caught passes uh, in in Jameis Winston's first game back. I don't know if that's a trend that we see hold up, but we know that Jameis loves to involve tight ends. That's been the way he's played since uh, the since his days in Florida State. He was a middle of the field guy using slot receivers too. Rashad Green, remember Rashad Green? Like he was <laughs> yeah. a big thing at Florida State, and I think that relationship is carried over to Adam Humphreys as you Didn't mentioned. Did somebody just sign him? Oh, I don't know, dude. I, <laughs> that's I, I, it. I, I know it wasn't the Jaguars because they only have 35,000 receivers and already owned him. So I, I don't, I thought, I thought he just signed somewhere. Rashad Green. Oh no, he's still listed as with the Jaguars. Nah, free agent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. So no, I, they I, did. They brought him back yesterday. Oh, wow. Magic. <laughs> um, that's wild. Yeah. They have a bajillion receivers, but um, yeah, with, with Chris Godwin though, I would say the one, positive note on him is he's actually tied for the NFL lead among wide receivers with eight targets inside the 10 yard line and I mean he's converting them to all four of his touchdowns have come from that area of the field so he is clearly getting money touches he's clearly scoring touchdowns we saw that once again uh, against the Falcons last week so I do think he's he's probably what I think people hoped for out of Mike Williams is that I think he's going to reach that ceiling more often than not. But I do think there's some volatility with Godwin because, as you mentioned, he's not a guy that's going to really be funneled eight to nine targets per game with all the other weapons in this passing game. So I still think he's a wide receiver three, wide receiver four flex type of player, not somebody that you're necessarily relying on every week. The good news, of course, is that the Bucks should continue to push volume through the air because their defense, despite firing Mike Smith, is really really bad so we should continue to see a lot of volume for this entire passing game and and the fact that Godwin has been the clear guy in scoring position and that has carried over from both quarterbacks leads me to be a little bit more optimistic uh than I think you are for the rest of the season uh, but here, but here's the yeah you're 100 percent right on the fact that that's not going to change with Mike Smith that's not going to change I think by the way do you remember when Mike Smith was one of the lead candidates for the Giants head coaching job do you remember that Oh my God, no! I, yeah, like so bad. <laughs> Giants dude. fans, it could be worse. It could be. I don't know how much, but it could be. So another wide receiver. This is just going to be a flat-ended question for you. Like I just, there's no huge setup because everybody knows what happens. I just want to know: Are you a Burt boy, <laughs> dude? Burt alert! How about that? He's like. <laughs> I, going into Sunday Night Football, he was the wide receiver two, or I think he was a wide receiver one, and then Tyree Kill obviously passed him up I think Devontae Adams might as well but uh, you know top five wide receiver Albert Wilson last <laughs> amazing um look I think he's one of the guys that should pay attention to Twitter because that's where his biggest fan base is easily uh, I love when like just uh, the most random bits can become a real thing like every time he does anything uh he you know I get bird alerts and sirens all up in the mentions <laughs> Um, I have a tweet deck column that's just hashtag bird alert. So anytime he does anything, definitely make sure to just throw it out there on social media. Ooh, here's would, an I idea for you since you're with Yahoo. Is find a way where you can get player custom alerts on your phone, but also customize the sound that it comes with. Oh my gosh, that's, that's <laughs> amazing. 
That's amazing. amazing. Did you just write it down? You, you I, small, yeah, and just, I thought you paused like you were going to write it down. Like I was like, I was just half kidding, dude. No, no, no. <laughs> I would love that. I don't think anybody else would love that, but I would, I would definitely love that for Albert Wilson. But yeah, I, look, for, for his fantasy stock, I mean, there's just not much you can trust in Miami right now because they just run so few plays. There's not a lot of volume in this offense, and they run at a real slow pace. So obviously, Albert Wilson's not somebody that you're just going to start every single week, but he has shown ceiling games this whole season because, you know, Devontae Parker's just not happening. There's really not a lot of consistency in Miami's passing targets. So I, I do, lo- I mean, obviously, I love Albert Wilson. I would love for him to somehow become aware of the whole bird alert thing on, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, good dude, too. Uh, if you look that in the hashtag bird alert uh, column on your, on your Twitter, you see, uh, I think someone noted that he is like took 150 foster parents and their foster kids like out to the movies or something the day after scoring. Oh, really? Fantasy points. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a, re- he has a legit good humanitarian as well. So we should all be rooting for Bert. We should all be. Yeah. I was going to say, we could get like an alert on our phone too, with like a gazelle noise for Tyrell, but I don't know what a gazelle yes. noise is. I don't like, is that just, just a the hooves hitting yeah. the, hitting the ground? <laughs> just the noise in the background. Here's a question for you. Since we're talking about wide receivers, if you had to, I'm not going to say save your life. I don't know why everybody's got to take it to that level. I was going to say, let's say you had to save your hair, Matt. So, oh. and you needed one person to catch the ball, one pass. Would you take Amari Cooper, Antonio Callaway, or Kelvin Benjamin? Oh, my God. I mean, like, my hair is my most – I mean, my life is basically over if I lose the hair. So, <laughs> it's funny you, you mentioned that because I was actually in my group chat with uh, Marcus and Gelhard and Franchise and all the rest of the old NFL guys, and I actually asked, I actually asked them the same – we were talking about all these wide receiver busts. I tweeted the screenshot of it, too. People can find it. But I, it's not in the, that picture, right? I followed up that same question. If you had to, like, have one receiver to win a contested pass to save the universe, uh, <laughs> would, it, would it be Amari Cooper or Kevin White? <laughs> so it's funny that poor Amari gets lumped in with all these I, I think it, I think it would be Cooper. I mean, he's the most proven player of all as much. It definitely would not be – Callaway and I don't even think I can count on Kelvin Benjamin to show up to the uh save my save yeah do you want to practice some throws before no no (laughs) I'm not no I don't want to do anything extra is wait which how about this which is worse Antonio Callaway or Ted Ginn at peak Ted Ginn hands oh Antonio Callaway so much worse so much worse (laughs) just what did he have 10 targets in that game oh that was I I mentioned earlier my things I don't care about column uh which nobody knows that you mentioned by the way oh yeah true well uh for (laughs) for for that one for that piece one of them was antonio callaway's volume and and i know i'm gonna get burned by that because they are playing the bucks this week uh and all that air yards volume and all that target volume is probably gonna finally hit against the freaking bucks but i'm not (laughs) I was just frustrated because I was I had the red zone on and they actually went to that game yep. with the touchdown and then he caught that two point conversion which was a really good catch. I was like, dude, what the hell? Come on! Like that that should have been flying straight through your hands after what we've seen through this game. And this, you know, he kind of reminds me of. And uh, obviously, Plaxico Burris had much better hands, but it's Plaxico and the fact that he would always drop the easy ones and then make the ridiculous catches. Like, I kind of feel like that's where Antonio Callaway, if, if he could get any consistency, that's where he's headed. You know what? Speaking of all that, uh, so the next-gen stats that you talked about, you talked about air yards. I brought this up last week with James Coe, too. Where do you draw the line of getting so far into it that you're kind of missing the ball in the opposite? You know what I'm saying. And I, you're somebody who's, 
Obviously, you do that next-gen stats, have been before the reception perception. I just want to help because you are so involved with it and you are so good at it. I just want you to be able to explain to everybody, like, how do you toe the line of getting too far in where all of a sudden you can't see the real picture? Uh, I don't I don't know. I, you kind of have to take things on a case-by-case basis, um, especially just with the overall health of the passing volume. And I would think that there's a really good example this year in Corey Davis, uh, considering like if you look at air yards, if you look at, you know, target volume, like all the peripheries are there for Corey Davis to be a top tier wide receiver, but it's obviously not happening because the Titans offense in general is not really happening. So there, there are definitely situations like Michael Crabtree last week was a perfect example that if you just blindly chase the volume, and didn't think about how poor he had looked over the last few games, especially when it comes to catching the ball, uh, you would have actually been on him in DFS last week, or, or you would have played him in season long, which would have been a very contrarian thing to do, but sometimes that's how you find an edge in fantasy. So sometimes it makes sense to just blindly tune out the noise and just look at the volume, uh, but other times I do think it, it makes sense to really drill in on these situations, especially – you know, Zay Jones was a guy last year that had all the targets, had all the air right. yards, et cetera. And I mean, that was <laughs> obviously never going to happen. So, <laughs> and I think even, you know, Josh Hermsmeyer, who's like the godfather of air yards would say the same thing. In fact, I've heard him say the same thing on podcasts. So those are, those are situations where if the overall health of the offense is just so poor that really nobody's going to thrive, uh, then you can just cancel out all that juicy air yards, juicy targets and everything like that. And just, strictly be like yeah i'm not playing these guys because they're not growing in good soil right now yeah that's that's good that's what i wanted people help to understand all right so let me move to running back here and talk about david johnson the only reason i have david johnson here it's not like okay what is david johnson we know who he is what's up with the offense we know what's up with the offense i'm just baffled at the trade questions i'm getting like it seems people want to get rid of david johnson and he's going to be like i do for everybody out there that knows in my rankings column i do buy lows and sell highs and i'm going to put him as a buy low despite the fact he's an rb1 no matter what format you're in top 10 running back it seems that nobody's happy with that and where i'm going to compare him to matt and i I think you'll remember this is last year's first half of the season for Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas last year, the first half, had one catch. Honestly, he didn't have a lot of touchdowns last year in general, but he had the one or two touchdowns in the first half. And people were like, yeah, whatever, Michael Thomas. And people were just like, yeah, whatever. You know, he doesn't have these enormous weeks in the first half of the season. He isn't topped 100 yards. I'm like, oh, God forbid you have somebody who just consistently produces every single week. And David Johnson's the last three weeks, as you know, 90% plus of the snaps out there. He's getting all the work, and yet people are, oh, I don't want David Johnson. Is, are we falling to the same trap? Not we, as in, but everybody listening, falling to this trap where David Johnson could have a Michael Thomas-like second half, or, I mean, is it not worst-case scenario? He's an RB1 the rest of the way? I mean, I think things are slowly coming together for not just David Johnson, but for this whole Cardinals offense, like almost in spite of the coaching, which has been – really awful this year uh an absurd are you gonna invest in my gofundme to get rid of mike mccoy i mean my god <laughs> I, I, mike mccoy is just the stone worst and 60 of david johnson's runs this year have come right up the middle behind center according to sharp football stats like that is wait that doesn't make sense no that's disgusting <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad so conservative those those plays have managed a ghastly 31 percent success rate so i mean nothing 
makes sense with the Cardinals offense, but the volume has been there for Johnson, at least on the ground. He is scoring touchdowns. I mean, I don't know. I think people are definitely willing to ship him off because I think they just know how bad things are, how how low the floor is if he doesn't get 20 carries then because there's just no receiving work, which makes zero sense. The floor is really bad on a week-to-week perspective, but I do like the way this offense is coming around under Josh Rosen, who I think has played very well. Uh, given that he's under siege constantly he, uh, going into week six he was under pressure on 47 percent of his dropbacks that's just so awful uh he doesn't have many reliable pass catchers it, it, despite the fact Christian Kirk is kind of emerging who I, I like him as a player but yeah. I, I think I think overall and this is a good matchup for for the Cardinals this week against the Broncos who allow an NFL high 5.6 yards per carry so I, I like David Johnson this week um, I don't think you should rush out to sell him because, again, the running back landscape is just so murky. Like, I don't really know who you're getting for David Johnson at this point. Um, I think you kind of lock him in as I know an RB1 the rest of the way, and things are trending the right direction for him. So in non-PPR, David Johnson is eighth behind huge names, Gurley, Gordon, Barkley, Connor, Kamara, Elliot Hunt. Do you want to guess? I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to, I'll, give you, I'll give you the three strikes. I'll give you three strikes to guess 9, 10, 11, and 12. Uh, it was, can you name the, the running backs again that were the, the top Just guys? every big name. Gurley, Gordon, Barkley, Connor, Kamara, Elliott, and Hunt. And then David Johnson's eighth. So, obviously, I'm saying this because 9, 10, 11, and 12. Disgusting. It's Not probably disgusting. like Isaiah Crowell. Yes, that's number there. nine. Yeah, Very good start. I mean, yeah, because he, he scores touchdowns, and you know he's like the Amari Cooper of running backs every other week for him. Um, oh, no, so, Amari Cooper's like every once a month, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess McCaffrey's not up there because he doesn't score any touchdowns. No, he's um, 18. Carlos Hyde, he's up there because he scored touchdowns. Twelve. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm lost after Peterson. Is Peterson up there? He's close. He's fifteenth. I think the missed game hurt him. I'll give you a hit, and one of them is a backup, and one of them is a pass-catching running back. Oh, man. James White? James White? Yeah, he's 10th yeah. right now. James White's up there. And a backup? I don't even, I don't even know. I well, he's not a backup anymore. Hint, hint. He might not be a backup for the next three oh, James, weeks. James Conner? No. Oh. TJ Yeldon. Oh, oh, TJ Yeldon. Yeah, wow. That's crazy considering he's had 18 carries over the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but by that list, by the way, as a sidebar, the top eight are a testament to, yeah, you can go ahead and take your running backs early if you want. And then the back four are just kind of like, well, there's your testament to zero RB. Like, you can look at it both ways. I mean, if you hit on the one, you did. If you didn't on the other. Um, this is what always used to drive me nuts about the people that would sh- like totally blast zero RB a couple of years ago uh, when it was like more of a, I don't know, a more like, I mean, remember when it was like the hottest debate in fantasy football and uh, you know, that was, that was a wild time and people would, you know, rip on it because it's like, well, you look, it is exactly what you're saying. People would be like, well, look at all these top five, top six running backs. Like you got to get one of those. I'm like, well, yeah, but 12 teams have to draft, man. Like right. you got you got to fill a league. So this is why it is a valuable strategy because not everything, like not everybody's going to land. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, on, Matt. You're telling me that one strategy doesn't work for everybody. No, not in one, one shoe does not fit all sizes. Man. Wow. My mind is blown right now. (laughs) Despite the fact that I have been bell cow running back for life and started a draft this very year, 
with Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I mean, what am I going to do when you put those two on the board for me? Yes. For everybody out there, that is, you, you can be arguing one side or the other, but guess what? It all depends on your situation. And any strategy can work because if your entire draft goes bell cow running back, and I put that in quotes, you can't see them, and you are the person that goes zero RB, I'm pretty sure the zero RB guy is going to be looking for good. Very true. So anyway, all that being said, speaking of zero RB, ah, I got a transition back in the show that's pretty good. Nobody heard the first one. Marlon Mack. I mean, in all intents and purposes, because of that situation, we have him come back and he leads the backfield, but he leads it. And I say that that way because 12 carries. This is a murky backfield still, despite the fact he did dominate the touches. Are you jumping right back in with excitement for Marlon Mack or are you tentatively putting that foot in the water? Or like, where are you? Are you jumping in the deep end? you jumping in the shallow end? You're sitting in the kiddie pool? Like, where are you with this? I think sitting in the kiddie pool is a good uh, way to put it. Like, I think you can get in on Marlon Mack if he's out there on waivers. I think you can run out and grab him, sure. I'm not going all in because I don't think he has a shot to be a bell cow back in this offense. I thought he was a little bit overdrafted. You know, I was just much more interested in the guys that were going later in that indie backfield. Like, obviously, Jordan Wilkins has not worked out. Naheem Hines has worked out to a certain extent. Um, but we saw last week that you know, when the game got out of hand, Hines was there in the later parts of the game. And I think Colts, the Colts are a decent team, but they have a low floor week to week because they have so many injuries. Uh, and they're just, their defense started out well, but it's not exactly a perfect unit. I mean, you allow 42 points to the New York Jets. That's uh, not, not a good look for your stop unit. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of consistent running the ball in Indianapolis. So I, I think, I want to, I mean, sure, I'll have Marlon Mack on my team. I think, he, again, because the running back landscape is so disgusting, but he's not a guy that I'm just, you know, willing to go all in for. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. So let's go right to the next one, speaking of going all in for, and that's Alex Collins, because the question I pose to you when we talk about getting ready to do the show is, is Alex Collins teasing us again? And I say teasing us again because heading into the season, we saw the flashes last year too. We saw Alex Collins look extremely effective. We have the numbers to back it up. We have people like myself who have never been that thrilled with the talent, but at the same time, this is why you do video, or I should say film watching for people to understand what I'm saying here, and then also the metrics behind it. you got to tie the two together, and with Alex Collins, at least with me, I don't know where you stand, it's always been a battle between the two. I've never been that thrilled by him, but I have the metrics telling me different, and now we see this season come along, and he's effective, but we see Buck Allen. We see Buck Allen not only getting involved, but we see him getting involved at the most crucial time is inside the 10-yard line at the goal line, getting touches, looking more effective at times. And then all of a sudden, last week happens, and all of that's out the window, and it's Alex Collins' backfield all of a sudden. Yeah, Collins hasn't been super effective overall this year as a runner, even though I still think there are times where he looks – like he's getting the most out of his uh, carries. I think he looks good breaking tackles, et cetera. I mean, again, you mentioned the metrics, and usually those are, are pretty much there for him in terms of yards gained after contact, whatever. Um, and despite all the fact of, you know, Buck Allen definitely being involved in the goal line work, uh, Alex Collins still ranks ninth in overall running back fantasy points scored in the red zone this season. He has four touchdowns on the ground. He has one touchdown through the air. Um, I think he's, you know, it's not going to be smooth sailing the rest of the way for Alex Collins. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to give you kind of mid to low RB2 value, which is, you know, a little bit shy of what you drafted him as. I still think this Baltimore offense is overall going to be good, but it's very 
fair to admit that last week was probably the most ideal game script you're ever going to get for Alex Collins, which is Baltimore, you know, completely controlling a game, their defense just teeing off on the opposing quarterback. And he still, again, I think he averaged under three yards a carry. So, so again, it's not like he ripped it up, but the chances were there for him to score fantasy points and he made the most of them. So I get what you're saying in terms of him kind of teasing us, but I think if you just expect that there's going to be some rocky uh, roads here with Alex Collins, it's not going to be smooth sailing. As I mentioned, uh, I think he can be kind of your RB two, but he's definitely not going to give you, you know, fringe RB one value. Like I think, you know, people like myself expected he could give you this season. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely think you're, you hit the nail on the head with that. So you know what you made me think of, by the way, and this isn't to be like, Oh, look what I did in my home. League, Cause nobody cares about our leagues. I just, I just want to know you, Matt, as a person. So, because this happened to me and people are going to say I'm being fake, but it's not. I, so I have a buddy in my home league. It's my longest home league. It's like 13 years now or something like that. I went into Sunday night football, the most wonderful game of the year. And I, I mean, specifically because it was Chiefs Patriots, not every Sunday night football. But I went into it down by like 55 points. And I had Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. And I mm. obviously came back. And part of me was like, this is awesome. But on the side, I was like, I kind of feel bad for my buddy because I know what it feels like to be on the other side and just be like, you cannot. Are you kidding me? These guys combined for 60 points and I was in control and dominated because he had the Ravens defense. That's what made me think about it. Do you ever do that? Like if you're playing a friend and you're kind of like, yeah, that was awesome. But I know the feeling. I kind of feel bad for him. No, nah, I don't feel bad. <laughs> no love lost in fantasy at all. No, nah, nah, man. So I'm here to win. You're telling me if you did that to me, you wouldn't be like, oh, poor Jake. You're just like, you would just laugh, laugh in my face. To be honest with you, like I rarely even check my fantasy scoring during the week or like during the games because it's – usually there's just so much going on. I'm trying <laughs> to consume so much information that – and, you know, I mean, I – you know, bet on the games. Like, so I, that's usually what I'm like constantly checking. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then like my fantasy line, I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. Like that worked out at the end. But yeah, to be honest with you, I would, you might text me. I'd be like, Oh no, I don't even know what's going on. Like, I, Oh, I, see, that's what I use that seven thirty to eight o'clock, like little blurb in there, whatever you want to nice. call that. Like that's a quick, they're like, Oh, I check the scores. Speaking of betting and stuff like that, I helped somebody last night. I didn't do it, but I helped somebody win the overs on uh, Valdez Scantling and Devonte Adams yards. So there nice. you go. Yeah. Very nice. I uh, I took the over on C.J. Beathard's yards at 266, so I was feeling real good in the second, in the first half and not. You started half. getting a little nervous. I had the Green Bay Packers in a survivor, and I was getting very nervous. Yep. I was not feeling good. Uh, you know what? Real quick before I want to ask you about one more running back, I'm going to jump in on running back since we are sidebarring right now for another one. Frank Gore, in your opinion – is he a Hall of Famer? And I find this funny. And the reason I bring this up is because I feel like we kind of play this roller coaster with him. Like, I feel like, like the, towards the end of his, I would say his peak career, like, oh, he's probably a Hall of Famer. And then you start getting arguments over the past couple of seasons. I'm sure you've heard them. He's like, well, is he? Because he's kind of a volume running back. And then because he puts up a game that only five other running backs have ever put up at the age of 35 plus, all of a sudden it's like, hey, Look at a game he's doing at 30. That means he should be in the Hall. Like, we're taking one game at 35, meaning he should be in the Hall of Fame. So, i just interested where you stand on Frank Gore. Is he a Hall of Famer for you, or is he a volume running back and a really good running back, but not Hall of Famer? I think he is a Hall of Famer, and it's because when I think about the Hall of Fame, and, you know, to be honest with you, like, I'm 
I'm pretty young. Like I, I haven't been watching football forever. So I'm not like, the, I'm not the person that's going to like fight you to the death about. Oh, you weren't arguing for why I tittled. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I'm not going <laughs> to fight you about Jerome Bettis being a hall of famer. Like I'm not one of those people. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with like, cause and I'm saying that only because I don't really feel like I'm qualified to like give an opinion. Right. Right. Bettis as, a, as a player. So, but for Frank Gore, like when I think of my time, following the NFL, watching football, like playing fantasy, especially, I don't think you tell the story of, you know, the mid 2000s to right now without Frank Gore at at the running back position, especially. And I think you got to give him a ton of credit for still being a relevant player. And in his advanced age, like he didn't, I think he's almost gotten an unfair rap over the last several years in the fantasy world because we're usually annoyed by him because he's, you know, kicking the teeth out of some young running back that we all really (laughs) like. But I think that clouds our vision of what an incredible player he is or was for the San Francisco 49ers across several coaching staffs. Like that was the thing we always cried about with Alex Smith was that he was going from system to system to system. The guy who was there even beyond that, was Frank Gore succeeding for multiple coaching staffs, being a tempo setter. I think he was a good player with the Colts, even though the yards per carry wasn't there. And I mean, you can't, can't deny it. He still got it, man. Like with this kind of miserable dolphins offense, he's played reasonably well. And when he's got the football, he's kept the offense on schedule when he's got the ball. Actually, I tweeted this out last night among running backs that have 40 plus carries. uh, Frank Gore ranks number three in success rate behind Kareem Hunt, and uh, Todd Gurley, and that's defined as, you know, the yards that you gain relative to your team's down and distance and yards that they need to gain to get the first down. Frank Gore ranks number three. I, that's wow. incredible. Like, I, so, and I think you got to give him a huge plus for being that type of player, for being a guy that in his college days, he was regarded as this, you know, kind of freak show athlete. He had a number of injuries and came into the NFL. I think Matt Waldman has talked about this. He said before, but he was like basically 85% of what he could have been from his rookie season on. And that's wild to think about considering how good he's been. So yeah, I think Frank Gore, you could tell a great story with him. You can't really tell the story of the NFL without him over these last several years. I think he's all famer. All right. Hey, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. And that's a really, that's a really good angle on it too, is just besides the fact of, Hey, he's Frank Gore and blah, blah, blah. And you know, as you mentioned, I mean the 1100 yards year after year after year and four plus on a carry, yeah, I'm with you. I think the volume gets caught up. As you said, it's the fantasy, too. And it's the fantasy of, like, especially the past three or four years where it's, all right, Frank Gore finishes an RB2 because it's, he played 16 games. Good for him. So you kind of get that. Like you said, fantasy clouds it a little bit. So let's get you out of here on this one. And it's funny because I was putting this show together last night, and I was putting the show together pretty early in the game. And the question was, is the Aaron Jones time finally here? Well, that question can't be the same at the end of the game because I don't know that it's even here because he got the touchdown taken away. We saw the Jamal Williams use show up again at the end. Like, I understand. I'm one of the biggest people who've been out there saying Jamal Williams is so far a better pass blocker than Aaron Jones. It's not even funny, but even to that degree, I've also many times acknowledged that Aaron Jones is the more explosive runner. You even saw it in last night's game. But it is Mike McCarthy. It is this offense. It is, what, eight carries last night? I'll change this question for you, Matt. Is Aaron Jones' time ever going to be here? I think it would take an injury at this point. I don't know what we're expecting to change, you know, for all this time that we've seen Jones this season. 
you know, and even dating back to last season, like it took injuries for him to really get the gig in the first place. Uh, it took Ty Montgomery being removed. It took Ty, uh, Jamal Williams being hobbled for him to be the feature back for the very small window that we saw him back in 2017. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, I hate the argument that talent wins out. Uh, I tweeted this out last night from a YouTube segment that we did uh, where we talked about the worst fantasy narratives. And one of them is, you know, talent wins out because especially at running back, man, like I, I don't understand how we as a fantasy community can say talent wins out when we spend every Sunday whining about coaches making bad decisions. Like how do we, <laughs> how do we expect them to just like recognize talent and throw it out there? And, you know, for all of Jamal Williams' flaws, and, like, I get it. He's not explosive. He doesn't break a ton of tackles. He barely breaks any. He does keep the offense on schedule. The coaches, like, he has that same Buck Allen type of ability that he keeps the offense moving. He does the little things well. And that's like catnip for coaches at the running back position. Well, you know what I call him? A, f- a former player of this very team. He's the James Jones of running backs. He does everything really well, but nothing amazing. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's totally fair. And for that reason, that's why I don't think we're ever going to see him just completely wiped out of the game plan in favor of Aaron Jones. And, and I'll tell you, like, last night was probably the first time I ever tilted on Aaron Jones because I mentioned that I bet on C.J. Beathard's over on the 266 pass yards. <laughs> I, parla- I parlayed that with Green Bay winning and uh, Aaron Jones over 55 rushing yards. And I felt great, again, after that first half, man. <laughs> I was like, Aaron Jones – 41 yards in the first half, eight carries. I don't think he saw any work in the second half. Nope. So, yep, it was it was pretty rough. Um, again, we can all see the talent with Aaron Jones. We can all see the explosive ability. It just doesn't really it just doesn't really matter for fantasy because well, the workload's not there. Here's the most important question. Did you tweet him and blame him? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed no. to tweet him, right? <laughs> no, because I'm actually a, a well I would say I'm a well-adjusted human, but this is one. I'm, I don't know if that's true, but this is this is one <laughs> angle where I think I have my feet under me on this one. No, I don't. I don't tweet at players because I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> I think that I'm sure the only two that I've ever tweeted are Brandon McCarthy and Brad Ziegler, and that's just because they like to tweet about fantasy football, but though they don't play <laughs> football, they're over in baseball land. Do you know? Do you know what baseball is? Are you paying attention to the Dodgers out there? Uh, yeah. See, I get in on the. I got in on the Dodgers when they were in the World Series last year. Uh, you know, I'm. As insufferable as people find my, you know, my Bears, my Rams, my Panthers bit on Twitter, like constantly changing my favorite team, uh, <laughs> I, I'm even worse with with baseball because I literally don't care at all. Uh, so I'll get in on the Dodgers if they're in the World Series again, and if they lose, it won't it won't matter to me <laughs> one one single bit. Yeah, the only play, the only player I tweet the only players that I tweet with are the ones that like I know or like I have any sort of like, you know, relationship with like I, Alan Robinson tweeted something about Reese's and I tweeted back at him. and was like, are we still cool? If I tell you that, uh, that I think they're overrated. And uh, he was like, that's, this is a joke, right? And I was like, I don't know how to explain to you that I really don't think peanut butter is good. So maybe, <laughs> we're, maybe we're not actually cool anymore, but those are the only players that I tweet. At oh, I, sort of- I know players. I'm Matt Harmon. I'm cool. That's okay. It's not yeah. <laughs> just no. Hey, the only the only player that I have is D'Angelo Williams, and I he, I still say he owes me fifty dollars for making me buy Call of Duty and play it once. I think that's pretty fair. He I he's got you, the money. That's what I'm saying. I know he's got kids, but I mean he's still doing stuff like wrestling today. Like, don't you think like if you tweet out like, hey, I want to play Call of Duty, and I'm like, hey, 
yeah, I'll go pick it up. I've never played it before. And well, I had played the previous versions, but I go pick it up, come home. We play once and that was it. We never played again. Don't you think it kind of owes me $50? I think you would agree, Matt. Sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> I like how I just put all that on you. <laughs> following the following the Panthers for all these years and being a fan like I have, I, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all these years like you have. Speaking of following. Matt, once again, tell everybody where they can find you, not just only on Twitter, but everything you're doing all the way through Sunday while you're busy and betting and all that type of stuff, because if they're not, they're missing some great work. Oh, well, thank you, Jake. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can find me on Instagram at the same venue, the same name there. Uh, you please follow you know Yahoo on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. You can find all of, all of our content there, including the Yahoo Fantasy podcast, uh, which drops Sunday nights and Thursday nights. Uh, and yeah, but just 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 check out the Yahoo Sports YouTube page, yo, because I got a lot of content up there. All of our great analysts have a lot of hashtag content up there, including the halftime show, as I mentioned, Halftime with Harmon. Yes, please go follow him, watch his stuff, watch one of the best hairs in the business. I'm kind of a little jealous at times, but he is Matt Harmon. This is All in Sports. As you know, I'll be back Thursday with somebody he used to work with. As you know, every Thursday, James Coe and Chris Meany is going to go over my ranks with me. So stay tuned for that. And uh, good luck with your waivers. I'll talk to you Thursday.